poker's legendary champions, next generation stars, and tireless ambassadors of the game, sharing their wisdom and guiding your journey to high achievement on the green felt. This is Tactical Tuesday on Chasing Poker Greatness with your hosts, Brad Wilson and John Chai. Welcome, 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 my friend, to another episode of the Chasing Poker Greatness podcast. As always, this is your host, the founder of ChasingPokerGreatness.com, Coach Brad Wilson. Today, I am joined by Jonathan Chai. John, what's happening, sir? How you doing? Doing good. I think this this is going to be a good episode for uh, for keeping the streak alive and and no incidents, all that kind of stuff. Mm. As you can probably tell from the hand that's showing up in the replayer. Yeah, we we you have aces. Um, I think that it, ask the general poker population, and you can't really misplay aces, right? Just keep putting money in the pot at, at every turn, and don't stop. Close your eyes, jam, easy. Right? That's that's actually a really good uh, that's actually a really good segue for this episode. So I think that's the general like consensus of aces is just like keep putting money in the pot. Um, but the theme of this episode is going to be when you should trap aces pre flop, <laughs> <laughs> and if you should not, if you should uh, you know maybe slow down on the putting money in the pot process um, and when that's appropriate. It's actually something that I like. I used to never do until I started playing online, which is like a little bit maybe a little bit embarrassing to admit, but like. Before COVID, before online poker, um, I would always just five bet jam aces at you know roughly hundred bigs if I if I got four bet. Um, I took preflop boot camp pretty early on in in COVID, like right when the first uh, first version launched. And like one of the things that I looked learned was like, oh wow, like you actually flat aces in position facing a four bet um, almost exclusively from like every position. I, there are like very very few situations where you're jamming aces preflop. Um, and so, yeah, that actually like, you know, preflop bootcamp actually made like a pretty big, um, kind of upgrade in, in, in some of my preflop strategies just right off the bat. And so we're going to look at trapping aces and one combo of Kings in this episode. All right. See, I, I set you up there and didn't even know that I was setting you up the unrehearsed setup. Um, all right. So you want to dive into hand numero uno here? So preflop is going to look mostly like I said. We face an open, three bet aces, very very standard, and then we get four bet by the original opener. This is middle position versus cutoff at five ten no limit. We're playing five handed, um, so we're going to just flat aces here facing four bet. Uh, you want to just talk about Jesus? Sorry, you want to just talk about for for the podcast listener, John. Apparently his his cam he he can't set it. To where it is stable it just jumps up and down like there's a poltergeist in there that really wants us to pay attention to john's forehead um so i don't even know where where you were before yeah, just talking about flatting aces and, and not jamming here because like the old me like the three years three or four years ago version of me was just been like oh yeah easy jam let's just like try to cool or something and i mean uh, so when a stack uh for for me uh, i think there are times to jam pre with aces i think there are times where it makes a lot of sense and i I think that there are times where you can make a good argument for flatting so you know i i'm fairly indifferent here as to whether or not you should jam or flat um my preference in general is to flat though um and you know you alluded to to kind of flatting in position in in preflop boot camp and the thing about preflop boot camp is you know the the preflop grids 
are all mixed, right? And so it's within those mix. If it's like a 60-40 mix, then preflop bootcamp is going to go, you know, absolute as it relates to one frequency or another. That's prob- that's one of the things that uh, I decided to build into preflop bootcamp was to simplify all the mix strategies and combine them into one so that it's just easier to remember. But with that said, you know, I would say almost certainly there's there's some kind of split here where it's like 60-40, um, And yeah, in, in general here, this is hijack versus cutoff. Yeah, I, I think you can make the argument for jamming. You, you can also make the argument for flatting and just going to depend on various factors as to who your opponent is, uh, preflop configuration, um, any sort of historical data points against any specific villain or any sort of data reads that sort of thing. But yeah, but with all that said, flatting here, totally fine. Yeah. I think the one thing that, um, the one data point that, um, I would add to your list is, uh, four bet size. Um, sure. the larger they four bet, the probably more likely to flat aces and the smaller they go, I'd probably start thinking about five bet jamming a little bit more. Um, I think one of the, one of the things that, you know, what a lot of listeners might bring up here is like, Hey, like, aren't we just allowing, um, the four betters to just over-realize here with the stuff that they decide to four bet and, mm-hmm. you know, do we want that with aces? Like, do we want to sometimes let them flop trips or a set or something like that with a hand that they might have folded pre-flop? Um, yeah, I mean, so to that, I, w- I would say that within any given strategy, there's going to be a push and a pull where you can't really have everything all at once, right? Um, when you flat aces in position, you do you start having nutted over pairs on the flop versus villain. And that's kind of a good thing. Like you're uncapped essentially post flop. And so with that, you know, with trapping aces here comes the side effect of villains over realize, you know, you can't really, you can't maintain the nuts in your calling range and let villains under realize at the same time, you've got to prioritize one or the other strategically. And so I would just say that, you know, that's, that's part of life, right? You have to make one kind of strategic sacrifice and just kind of live with it. Sure. Yep. Okay. I'm okay with making that sacrifice with aces, the hand that isn't pretty invulnerable, not too scared of very many flops or or runouts. Um definitely not scared of this flop. Yeah. Flop pop set back or flush draw on ace queen five. Uh when we peel the four bet, pretty much as good as good as it gets when we're trapping aces. Mm-hmm. Um very much expect a small C bet here from the pre flop four better. Um just would expect that an absolute on an ASI board. Um, so probably something between 20 and 30% pot here. And villain does bet something between 20 and 30% pot here. They bet 106 into 430. Uh, at, you know, at this point, it, it's just slam dunk, slam dunk call, right? Mm-hmm. So you call, uh, maybe they're bad, ah, doesn't matter. Uh, we don't have to go down that avenue of, of hypotheticals. Um, I think calling calling is just far and away going to be the the standard decision. Turn is the jack of diamonds, so now we have a triple Broadway ace queen jack five with the queen five of clubs, um, six forty three in the pod. So SPRs around one. Uh, once again, villain. That's about quarter pot. Um, I think again, it's this is fairly expected. I think quarter quarter is just going to be super. This is going to be a high frequency, high frequency line. Um, yeah, this is actually like a flop and a board texture where I'm like, 
it's really, really hard for the preflop forbidder to have nothing, right? Like I would expect like their low equity region of their preflop forbid range to be something like ace five suited or ace queen, king jack, king 10. All of that is either the worst hand is king jack. Um, he has four combos of straights and then like a handful of two pair combos. Um, so I think king 10 is probably like a small concern here, but I'm actually pretty excited that I'm either going to cooler this guy on this flop. Like he either has a set or some form of two pair, um, just given the ace queen five flop. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would agree. So you opt to call. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting that despite saying that like versus their preflop four betting range, like they just have all the two pairs and sets and you know it's hard like it's hard for them to have nothing um one would one could make the argument that jamming is somewhat reasonable here with top yeah. set on a board where yeah. it's just hard for them to have nothing as you said uh-huh um i wonder if we just if we let some of their turn value bets off the hook when we jam here just due to the range that we'd be expected to be jamming here like we does ace five start folding here facing jam? Does ace king start folding the turn facing jam? Um, I would definitely expect a hand like king jack to fold the turn facing jam. Um, and and maybe king jack just continues bluffing. Um, so I'm a little bit worried about letting some hands off the hook just because my jamming range here is gonna be <laughs> really strong, I think. Yeah, you don't even know what it is. It, yeah, it, you can't even come up with like any kind of low equity type hand. Um, so yeah, just food for thought, but yes, mm -hmm. I, I don't, I don't think you should raise, but it is, it's an, it's an interesting thing to explore and the river's a queen. So now you make top boat, um, filling jams. Um, I, I can see why you said that tough for this episode to have hands with incidences, uh, I imagine that when you you river top boat, you're you're just gonna call. And cooler king ten suited. So well done, sir. Um villain turned to straight and river paired the board. Um really good example of a hand that would have folded preflop had we jammed. And yeah, like, you know, this on this particular run out, um they did they definitely did get to overrealize with their King Ten, but just in a vacuum. If they showed me King Ten and I got spotted aces, like I'd be super happy to to flat preflop. I mean, realistically, right? Like how this goes down if the turn is not a jack, is that villain probably just keeps betting with King Ten. So yeah, yeah. we get to see the outcome, like this sort of jackpotish outcome where you flop top set, they turn a straight, and you river a boat. But you know, this is sort of one one run out on a spectrum of infinite runouts that that can happen um and on this board specifically ace queen five like when they have king jack if they just bet the flop and the turns like a deuce they're probably going to bet the turn and then if the river's a blank they're probably going to jam the river so like um that's the possibility that that is most beneficial when you're trapping aces are, are the times where you know they don't make anything and put all the money in because um you know they have a perceived range and, and or nut nut advantage so yeah, while this hand is, yeah, like, like I said, it's kind of a jackpot where both of you just make really, really, really strong hands. Um, in, in general, the benefit to flatting aces is, yeah, they just, they don't flop, they don't make anything and they put all the money in anyway. And they had a hand that would fold pre. And so you extract all that extra value out of, out of their, their exact hand or out of their range. 
Um, so hand number two, I don't actually have it queued up here. Let's see. We have four hands coming your way this week. So John, you, you just stop me when I hit hand number two. It doesn't, uh, this can be hand number two. This one's hand number two. All right. Mm -hmm. So more aces. Well done. This aces is blind versus blind. John has a hundred bigs. Small blind opens three X John three bets to 90 with aces and the small blind four bets to 22 big blinds, $220. And John goes ahead and calls. Um, this is a, this is a spot too, where I, I don't really mind jamming. Uh, I like flatting. Um, I, I think I think that a lot of their um, lower equity four bets come from like ace, like some sort of like offsuit ace X combo. Um, and blocking those, I think, is pretty nice. And also, villains like stack off range, blind versus blind, tends to expand to like you know tens plus or whatever. So again, I, I think five betting is on the table. Flatting also on the table. So you decide to flat, wow, get the pretty safe board, 774 rainbow. Um, villain checks, which is interesting. So I yeah, guess we'll start here. I was surprised here. by that too. Villain checks, uh, I'm surprised. Generally expect the preflop four better to see bet, um, especially on particularly dry textures like this, 774 would mostly just expect a see bet. Doesn't really matter though, because when we have aces and SPR two or even less than two, given I only have seven and eighty behind, and there's four forty in the middle, we can easily get the money in. We can um, check back and get the money in. We can just start betting ourselves. I think here I'm I'm almost always going to uh, elect to check back and either give them an opportunity to start bluffing a hand that didn't connect with the flop on the turn in the river, or maybe make a hand that they can bluff catch with or value bet either like turn or river top pair. Um, and then on the flip side, the hands that I think I do stack by starting out with a flopsy bet. I generally just stack anyways, even if I check back flop barring, you know, like an ace on the turn or something really, really bad. Yeah. Wouldn't mind starting with a quarter here on the flop either and just checking back most turns and kind mm -hmm. of doing, yeah. doing the same thing, but yeah. starting out like with, with the aggressive quarter. Cause I think on seven, seven, four, it's hard for them to have folds <laughs> like yeah. it, it's hard for them to fold like anything that they they four bet here given such a good price and so um I, I think betting a betting quarter pot is also on the table but checking makes a lot of sense as well turn is the jack of spades so it is an overcard which is probably good for you um villain checks again which is probably not so great for you uh if you want to stack the villain and i i think here now you're probably resigned to just checking behind um, on the turn. And just jamming the river facing check. Yeah, we're hoping that they jam the river themselves. Like, yeah. I, I think that while, while I like betting the flop and checking the turn, I don't really like betting the turn because then you kind of make it more difficult for them to take an aggressive action on the river with their, their lower equity hands. Um. I started getting a little nervous or like reading into this, like check, check, I guess a little bit more. And I did see bet here. I did, sorry, delay stab here. Um, I, upon like looking at this hand, I do agree with you that I should just check back here again. Like we said, the SPR is so low that I can just jam the river. I can allow them to jam the river because the SPR is so low. I, 
I'm guessing what I thought here when I bet is that the check check range is gonna be is gonna be a little bit more showdown driven than like just like the air range that's trying to get to like a river one bet um situation. And the hands that like do make a little bit of sense here, I guess, are like the four X's that four bet preflop, maybe a hand like ace four suited or five four suited if they um you know have like a this is blind versus blind, so you know, four betting five four wouldn't be like completely shocking. Sure. Um and I'm guessing that that's what I was just hoping to target here. All that being said, I still like the line that you suggested, which is just check back the turn and jam the river or allow them to jam. I think like all those bluff catchers are going to, you know, call the river sometimes, like the four X's. I think they might call the river more frequently than they call turn stab plus river jam. Um, so yeah, I think this, this bet here should have just been, should have just been a check. Well, in calls. So that's, good signal that they have a hand that wants to make it to showdown um i think the first sign that they they have a bluff would be that they fold the turn here so you're you're in good shape your, your theory yeah. is looking pretty good at the moment uh rivers and native clubs and now at this point you just only one thing left to do stick it in final board was four seven seven jack eight john jams 570 into 856 filling calls with queen jack off so well done um nice turn card for you again i think i said that when the turn card came down good turn card um i don't know i mean the spot looks so juicy right like uh just looking looking at the result of this this hand makes me question whether or not like betting a quarter on the flop uh, i i would actually want to do it because i would feel so sad if they started folding a hand like queen jack off or jack 10 off or some sort of hand like that that would be That'd be devastating to me personally. I think if I if I was gonna bet the flop, it would be smaller than quarter. Yeah, like ten percent. Like if you it'd just be like, dude, yeah, I'm gonna make sure that you can't fold anything because you're gonna get ten to one or yeah, something yeah, on the yeah. on the flop. You have a lot of incentive for them to turn top here. Like yeah, a yeah, lot yeah. of incentive. Um and for what it's worth here, I can't imagine if you check check the turn and jam the river that they're gonna fold the river. So uh, I don't really know that you I don't think there's any path to not getting their stack here other than like betting big on the flop. Yeah, I agree. Um, and by the way, like uh, as we head into the break, this queen jack off, a hand that's probably not going to call all in pre if we jam. So calling in position, definitely superior in, in this exact in this exact hand. So stick around after the break. We got more trapping with overpairs coming right at you. Are you a lone wolf searching for the ultimate pack? The CPG Wolf Program is a close-knit brotherhood hell-bent on one thing only, chasing poker greatness. Powered by bleeding-edge wolf strats and led by Coach Brad and his lieutenants, CPG Wolves are systematically prepared for almost any spot they'll encounter on the green felt. If you want to plug into an elite team and have a step-by-step -step game plan to realize your full poker potential, you can apply at cpgwolves.com. Space is limited, and the pack is only as strong as its weakest member. So only the hungriest, grittiest, and most driven will be accepted into the program. Applications are open at cpgwolves.com. All right, welcome back from the break here on today's episode where John is slow playing all kinds of premiums every which way you go 
Uh, before we, we dive into the second half of this episode, just want to let you know that today's show is sponsored by Live Cash Preflop Bootcamp. It is my course on live cash poker preflop bootcamp. <laughs> Do you flat aces in live preflop bootcamp? Uh, depends. Depends on the situation. You know, I'll give the old poker player, uh, poker coach response of, it depends whether or not you flat aces. Some, yeah. Sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. Um, if your opponents are only, you know, four betting kings and queens, then you generally don't flat aces. You, you just stick it in and um, know that they're going to call like pretty much every single time. So yeah, it, it, it depends. But that is a thing that you you will learn in live cash preflop bootcamp uh, as to when villain is actually only four betting like kings, queens, and ace king. And you can just profitably rip in aces every single time. And other times that maybe you need to slow play. So that is a uh, sponsored course of the day. Now let's get into these preflop decisions that, by the way, have, have set up you know pretty big pots um, versus hands that otherwise wouldn't be in the pot. So pretty pretty high leverage scenario here to learn more about and to investigate um, for the listener. So this hand, small line opens. Everybody folds a small blind. They open to three big blinds. John is in the big blind with black aces, the best aces as far as I'm concerned. Um, he three bets to 10 big blinds. They four bet to 23 big blinds. And I feel like Yogi Berra and it's like deja vu all over again, uh, blind versus blind four bet. You flat in position. And here we go to the multiverse and spectrum of things that can happen when you flat um, in a four bet pot. So flop is eight, nine, four with the eight, nine of diamonds, 460 in the pot. Uh, this spot actually started a little bit deeper pre-flop, like 130 bigs, mm -hmm. but clearly didn't alter your strategy any. Um, it is going to alter the strategy here. It is going to alter your strategy here, huh? So villain bets Maybe one, 136 yeah. on the flop, which... You call the flop, it's going to set up an SPR of 1.3, 1.4. There'll be a 750 in the pot. Villain will have nine, 950 left or so. Um, I think that yeah, just, I would still call. I, I don't think I would do anything out of the ordinary here. I thought that if I made a small raise on the flop, that I could induce jams from hands that might not otherwise stack off. Maybe they still do because they just end up bluffing it off. But I thought that on such a wet board, a board as wet as 984 two-tone, that if I raise here, I might get jammed on by like ace-queen, ace-king, like some of those hands. I could also just get jammed on by flush draws or I don't know what other types of draws they might have. Maybe they do four-bet a hand like six-seven suited. Mm -hmm. um, and Given that we're, you know, that we did start a little bit deeper, I thought that, you know, raising here would be a little bit more acceptable than uh, than than the hundred big blind effective starting spots that we've looked at in the last two hands. Um, so I clicked it here with aces. Yeah, I don't really like it. Yeah. Um. Again, I, I think I would just flat. I, I think that one thing that you're kind of overlooking is like, uh, ace king or ace queen might just stack off. Well, like. You know, typically if ace king or ace queen is going to stack off, they probably would not want to have a diamond in yeah. their hand 
because we have black aces. Yeah, and you have the two black aces, which means if they do have ace king, um, half half of their ace kings are going to have a diamond in them, um, or going to have the ace of diamonds in them. So I think it's and also like not everybody just kind of gets it in with ace king and ace queen here. I don't think, and I think too like the price that villains get laid with their straight draws, like a six seven. Um, it's probably just going to be too juicy to to pass up, and they'll end up flatting more than just ripping here on, on the flop. Um, especially when, like, you know, if you're, you're essentially saying that you, you have like equity driven draws um, as well as value, then like jamming six seven, six, seven here just goes like way down in value. It's like, oh, I just want to call sure. and realize and see what happens on the turn. So, yeah, yeah I, I really. And to your point, like King Jack off might just fold, right? Face and click. And like King Jack is like a hand that I would, you know, 100% expect to put the rest of their stack in if I just flat here. And, and Queen, Queen Jack may call, but they're probably not going to jam. Like, it, or it's, it's rare that like, you know, the last thing they had Queen Jack off, right? I don't know that like Queen Jack off just rips it here for 130 bigs facing, yeah. facing a raise on this board. Cause it's just so, it's just super easy for you to have like the nut flush and be like, ha ha. Like, and they're like, oh, <laughs> great. Like, <laughs> Um, now what, you know, uh-huh. and you get the jam. <laughs> we do get jammed on though. <laughs> it's funny that you mentioned queen Jack as the last hand because, oh boy. Well, that was what they had in the hand before. Right. So, <laughs> um, a little yeah, scary the, run out, but the queen 10 off. So clearly they didn't give a shit about, about, uh, <laughs> yeah, what my raising range is, what your raising range is. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I really, really dislike the way that villain played this hand. <laughs> I have both I of us actually. Can't really. Well, I mean, I, I can't really argue with your thought process when villain does exactly what you expect them to do, right? Like it, it, it kind of makes me wonder um, what other data points that you had to work with in game that led you to thinking villain would be capable and, and probably be inclined to just bet three bet with you know queen ten like a gut shot and overs here. Yeah, I, I'm guessing it's not necessarily an in-game data point, but maybe more um, of like a pool meta data point. Uh, we talked about this kind of stuff in last week's episode a little bit, but I think it applies here too, where you know, I've looked at, I've gotten clicked in four bet pots when I see bet really, really small. And sometimes I look at the hand history afterwards uh, after I fold and I you know, have seen a decent amount of air. Um, I think it actually makes sense as like a spot where it might, it you can bluff really, really cheaply because most people are betting quarter plot hot so for you to click it you're just getting a really really good price to bluff and it's also just you know it's hard to continue sometimes with like a lot of your uh four betting range on nine eight four two tone once once you bet your entire range on the flop um and so that might have been maybe like the thing that was entering my mind was like oh wow like hopefully these guys know about this too and they're just gonna decide to like bet three bet rip a little bit too much given the click because they think that there's just a lot of junk in here that won't be able to call the jam and if they do call the jam then hey i still have a good shot yeah well nice hand it's all, all the days without incidences i believe one more one more final hand's going to be kings right yeah so maybe the incidences are on my side I, I i i i keep giving my opinion and then villain just you know does does the thing that i i, I don't expect them to do uh, for what it's worth I, I really don't think it's great to jam queen 10 um, facing the flop click, uh, I, yeah, I, I, I personally don't. Uh, I think that like if they just call the flop and like the turn is the three flush and the three straight and the turn checks through, then you know they have a decent opportunity jam. Like if 
you know, those clicks, as you say, um, tend to be bluff heavy, then like what happens downstream after you call the click, right? Or the, it, is villain just like putting all the money in every single time, like with all of their air, their non-equity hands. I can't imagine that being the case. If that is the case, then, you know, I think that's, that's a pretty ginormous leak. So again, like calling kind of sets up a natural defense. Um, whereas when they jam, they're essentially targeting the air to fold. And then whenever you call, you just have like essentially all the equity versus, versus them. Um, so that full percentage, that, that air component needs to be really high for, for them to be able to jam. Because, I mean, if we just go back to this, right, like here on the flop, you know, there's 870 in the pot, and they're going to jam for like 810. So they're risking, you know, 810. Or they're risking 945 to win 870, essentially. So... Yeah, that's over a pot needs size to get bet. Through about half the time. Yeah, right. It needs to get through half the time. Like, and then e- even if you fold half the time, right? Or say you fold forty percent of the time. Like, do they have like what kind of equity do they have versus your calling range? Like, the calling range. There, yeah. There's just no way mathematically that this could be good. Like, there's no no way that this makes money. This is just like putting all the money in and don't don't, don't yeah. tell them that. I mean, it's not me. It's math. You know? don't, <laughs> don't blame me. Blame math. Like. Uh, so here you open the button, the big blind three bets. You have Kings, a little bit more of a controversial non, non four bet here. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, definitely more incident risk when you flat Kings pre flop instead of aces. Um, but Hey, it's still really, really good. This is the, <laughs> one of the wider three betting formations. So I expect them to have some, some pretty low equity three bets here that, that Kings is doing really well versus. So I'm going to expand the flatting range a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I've done this on the poker coaching stream as well. Um, slow played Kings pre. I think that there's, again, like when you have these premiums in these loose positions, you can, you could four bet, you can flat. I think you can do whichever one kind of makes sense in the given situation that you're in. Um, so flop is 779, rainbow, pretty good flop. Can't really complain about the flop here. Villain bets half pot, pretty good bet. Can't really complain uh, about the bet from your perspective. From villain's perspective, I don't know what they're doing. That that should probably be a third. So half pot, strange. Yeah, it's a, it's a little bigger oh, than, yeah, than what I'm expecting. But yeah. when I when I have kings, it's a it's a welcome sight. It, it's a welcome sight for sure. Um, paired boards generally expect to see a third. So little bit out of the ordinary turn is a deuce of hearts and villain checks um given the fact that they bet 60 percent on the flop i would think that that's probably indicative of some sort of a polar strategy or a more polar strategy than normal um yeah and with that said i, I think that yeah just check behind on the turn is pretty much the only option i can see yeah, like they have air and some overpairs, I guess. It's like sort of roughly the split that you'd expect their the range to look like on the on the turn after they bet big on the flop and sure and and, and I think too like the the final consideration is kind of like what my range appears to be made up of once we call mm-hmm. the flopsy bet, you know, a, a lot of pairs, um maybe some like straight draw with backdoor flush draws. 
um, 9X, Pocket 8s, maybe 6s, 5s, if I decide to call with those. Um, and then obviously like 9s full and trip 7s when I have those type of hands in my range. So I think that checking back the turn gives them a decent target to jam with their whatever type hand they have, you know, queen jack or queen 10 or jack 10 or whatever that is. So like really just want to go ahead and try to target their, the bottom end of their, their polarized range for a big river bet. I hope I check back here. Oh, nice. Yeah. You check back rivers, a jack, which yeah, it's nice. Right. Like the, the queen jack, just one, one more time. Give us the, the queen jack. <laughs> yeah. The um, queen jack, the jack 10. Yeah. Queen jack, jack 10 filling jams, which yeah, is great. Um, you will lose sometimes, but doesn't matter. Like I, I think holistically speaking, this is pretty much the way that you drew it up when you flatted pre. Yep. Um, you call, and the villain has can't really tell queen jack ten nine seven no no king no yeah four straight doesn't do anything four flush no bonus no bonus for the double four straight four flush combination on the river they have a lot of equity if there's a six community card <laughs> yeah. that's what they have <laughs> they have the queen high uh they have queen ten of hearts so they turn a flush draw and rivered um really good draw for the next street that is unfortunately for them never going to come so yeah nice hand again you know if you four bet pre they're almost certainly going to fold so extracted max value post flop out of a hand that otherwise would have folded so you did it you did it four for four four for four um didn't rig the game in your favor at all um i think this is well done. You, you randomize these hands in preparation for Tactical Tuesday. And it just so happens that every single time you play a spot like this, it's dynamite. They never flop trips versus <laughs> when I trap pre-flop. It's crazy. Yeah, when you flat kings, never an ace I flop. Never, never an ace I board. <laughs> never seven. I paid the heart on the river and this one. Like it's just. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's a sweet life. Just living the dream as Mr. John Chai. Um, good episode today though i think it's yeah pretty easy breezy lesson on you know the benefits of, of trapping in position and we didn't get into the downsides because everything worked out well but there are downsides as well but um yeah i think again that there's merits in there's merits in taking multiple actions in in poker and exploring kind of the unknown or doing things that you don't normally do or otherwise wouldn't do. There's a lot of value to be gained um, from sharpening those tools, learning when to deploy them and doing so. So good episode. Well done. I got nothing left. Yeah. I guess the last thing we'll say is if you want to learn when and how to flat aces and kings preflop, sign up for either preflop bootcamp 2.0 or live cash preflop bootcamp and I mean, if you're, player, like if you're a live poker player, if you're a live poker player and you, you haven't bought live cash preflop bootcamp, I, I don't really know what you're doing with your life. Like, I, I don't, I, I don't understand. Um, just, yeah, it, it's a, it's a course that, again, it just, man, it just shows you the imbalances in people's preflop strategies, like, like holistically, and it is better than anything that I, I could have dreamt up or imagined, like on my own without looking at data, doing the math, sitting, sitting with it and building out the strats kind of combo by combo from all the various positions. Like it, it just exponentially increased my understanding of, um, how poker players play in, in full ring environments and the flaws that they have in their strategies. And, you know, just, the the opportunity 
um, that you have in deploying different various strategies that may not be intuitive, but just cut right through these kind of piece of shit strategies that the, the standard poker player is deploying in live poker, quite frankly. I mean, I, I just gotta, gotta call it like it is. Like when I look at the data and I see the strats that people are deploying, I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's, that's a real piece of shit. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's a strat with four combos in it. Hmm, that's, that's probably not great, you know? That's it. Well, on that note, see you next week. See you next week. Stop deploying your piece of shit strategies in live <laughs> <Yeah>. poker. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Chasing Poker Greatness. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or on your favorite podcast app. Go to ChasingPokerGreatness.com to get the newsletter. Join the Greatness Village community. Book a coaching session or dive into the latest data-driven poker courses. Follow the show on Twitter at CPG Podcast.